For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your hosts, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. Hello, 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 Bucks fans. Welcome to another episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, where we just wrapped up the preseason finale. Preseason is done. It's behind us, and there is so much to touch on because we know that there's a couple guys that were going to be on the chopping block. It was the, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady is back. He's suited up. He's on the field. He's on the sideline. He's participating in the well. It's We finally got to see healthy starters. It's we got to see some guys potentially get injured. It's that and so much more. I'm one of your hosts, Casey Hudson, joined by the lovely Kaylee Mizell, and we are ready to dive in, kicking things off with the offense. Kaylee, what did you think of the game? Were you able to stay awake? What excited you, and how'd that offense look? There was a question mark, Casey. Hi, fans. Excited to be with you guys tonight. So the Bucks lose their final preseason game 27-10 to 10 in Indianapolis, but we did get some glimmers of what – hopefully the Bucks can continue building on well, the good. Uh, speaking <laughs> of staying awake. It was, it was a little bit tough there in the, you know, third, fourth quarter. It's like, what is happening? We will yeah. get to some of those question marks. Um, but I want to start off Casey on a positive note, which is th- it was so good to see Tom Brady out there. And it was yes. so good to see him connecting with Julio Jones and, oh. I really like that. There there was like that really nice pass. Brady had a ton of time, which is something else that I noticed the offensive line before Robert Hansey goes down with a a potential ankle injury that they're going to get more information on. So let's first just give you a quick update on that. So they said that they will get x-rays in the next couple of days on Mm -hmm. Robert Hansey, but he did come out after that and he did need help off of the field. So not great for Bucks fans to see Robert Hansey go down. Right. Um, I will say this though. He yes. wasn't carted off and we know that there's like a different dramatic effect between the card yes. off and the limping off on your own accord. And I kind of tweeted this during the game. Cause I'm sure all of us were glancing at the sidelines whenever they cut to it. Um, at one point, it cut over to Robert Hainsey on the sideline. He was standing by himself, no crutch, no anything helping him stand up. And he kind of kept shifting his stance. So he was putting weight on it, taking weight off of it. So, you know, rocking back and forth between the right and the left ankle. So it doesn't look or appear to be serious. If you're able to do all of that immediately, but it does come down to the swelling and they will measure all of that uh, come next day. So fingers crossed. Bucks and fans. luckily they have a little bit of time. So right. off for the next what 13 14 days so almost two weeks before yeah. I mean without a game is what I'm saying not like yeah. off they're practicing <laughs> and, and whatnot but without a game so there is time but uh the O-line super impressed with the time and space that Tom Brady was able to have in the pocket he dropped back a few times that uh, one of the passes actually the, the first pass to Julio Jones was a pass where he dropped back Loved it. It, it mm-hmm. was great to see him linking up. Um, One my, of the things we were most excited to see, too. Exactly. So. <laughs> yes. So I, I was really, really happy to see them link up. Um, yeah. So 
Uh, Tom Brady completed six of eight passes. There was one drop. Uh, he had 44 yards. I really liked the up-tempo offense that he played with. I, I think that that was working well for him. So I'm really interested to see how long they can continue that, if they can continue that, and if that's something that, that Brady's jiving with and everybody else, you know, the O-line everybody's jiving with. Mm -hmm. uh, you called it, Casey. Leonard Fournette, I was really impressed by some of his Lenny. early runs. He's, <laughs> he is out there, and he is a force of nature, people. Yeah. People would – there were, like, at one point, there were, like, two or three guys on him, and, and he was still, still fighting for yards. And not just, like, fighting, like, oh, I'm going to, like, get a few extra yards. Like, he was yeah. still getting seven yards, and there's three – he's dragging three guys behind him. Just so impressive. Down. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yep. He is going to be a monster out there. And I think the way that they utilized, again, I'm really kind of honing in on that first series there. But <laughs> I think the way that they utilized the run game and mixing it in with some of the bigger explosive plays, some of the, you know, the traditional plays that Tom Brady likes, you know, hitting up yeah. Cameron. Um, I, I really liked the way that they were able to mix things up. I mm -hmm. liked the tempo. I, I had a question mark about Mike Evans and Tom Brady just on, I saw them on the sidelines and they were talking and hanging out and it seems like everything was great, but on the field, it just didn't seem like they were as in sync gel going as I was there. hoping that they would be. <laughs> so I was a little bit confused by that. And maybe again, like, Tom Brady had been out for 11 days of training camp. So maybe and Evans. time and Evans. Yeah. So, he was hurt. The same so, timeline. so maybe, maybe there's no, maybe that it just needs a little bit more time to click. They clearly yeah. have chemistry. Like they're sitting there talking on the sidelines, like goofing off, hanging out, having a good time, mm -hmm. but it just didn't seem to be as in sync in the game as I was hoping that it would be. I think and we're then, expecting a little bit more like, excitement and electricity between the yes, pair of them there. Um, it was. Yes, yeah. definitely. And then two other notes, uh, maybe kind of on the same person, I guess. I was w extremely frustrated with Tyler Johnson. <sighs> He's on my he, list. That he, that he <laughs> missed that cat. And it's like through your hands, TJ, come on. Mm -hmm. He did kind of make it up a little bit. Got a first down, uh, I, I think, just a few Probably downs later. Yeah. yeah. But, what? yeah, I just was like, I, it, he, he still seems a little inconsistent. We'll get to the chopping block in a second. But it, it made me have some question marks. But yeah. no question marks for TB, TB obviously. Uh, really excited about him linking up with Julio Jones more excited and ready to see Lenny just continue to plow through people uh, oh. like he does uh, and really, really digging this up-tempo offense and the fact that this O-line is giving Tom Brady time and space to be Tom Brady. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you kind of opened with that and pointed it, it all out. I think opening series-wise, they looked pretty good. You did see some moments where Brady was like, looking for that perfection, but we're talking about a meticulous perfectionist here, but for someone who had 11 excused absences, it's so weird to say excused absences outside of school, but 11 excused absences, uh, shows up for, you know, three practices, half of those practices are more walkthrough styles to get to the small details of everything. And then you come out and, and you look like you haven't really missed a beat. That's amazing. That's great news for the bucks. And that's where at least the game opened up on an exciting note. 
what I will say is that I think some of the players were readjusting to having Brady at, at, at the helm there because Brady has one of the quickest releases. He throws the ball. And I know Blaine Gabbert maybe have maybe has a faster pass, but there's just something about the accuracy and the touch on Tom Brady's ball where, you know, that's a that's a tough catch. That's something you have to be in sync with and prepared for. So maybe that's something we were kind of seeing between between Mike Evans and Brady. Mike Evans is usually really loaded up on coverage, though. He's always trying to shake guys off. He was able to draw on that penalty from former Patriots teammate uh, Stephen Gilmore. So uh, I thought we were going to get a little bit more of that action. I was kind of excited for that. I love whenever players get to go against former teammates on opposite sides of the ball. And of all people, you would think that between practice and so many years that Stefan Gilmore is going to be somebody who can read Brady's eyes a little bit better. We're not going to say can read him, but can read him a little bit better. So for a second, I got hype thinking, oh, we're going to see a little bit of fire here. Um, and, you know, they're protecting the players' bodies, the ones that didn't stay in very long. Just as you said, Kaylee, uh, the game opened up with a run from Leonard Fournette, whom I mentioned on the last podcast on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns that I was really excited to see. And I still wanted to see more of Lenny, but what I did see maintained my 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 theory that he's going to be a player to watch this season. He's contracted in. He's Cut down his weight, guys. He's back to playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, skinny Lenny. He's no longer lunchbox Lenny and any other Lenny you want to call him outside of just going to tear it up this season. Tutty Lenny is back. So I would have loved to see him get a touchdown. Uh, that wasn't the case because they weren't really in that long. But O-line, they started off well. They didn't maintain. They didn't keep that, that, that pace and that momentum going. And it wasn't only on the accord of, the injury that took place to Robert Hainsey. They just, they kind of started to fall apart when uh, Blaine Gabbert got in there. Um, the Colts defense defensive line was really bringing it to them, closing up in the gaps. I mean, at one point, Luke Decky got his start. We chatted about him a little bit. This was a big show for him to see if he could really maintain and step to the plate. And we know that coach had some pointers on Gadecki. He needs to stay lower in his stance. And there was a few minor cleanups. And I emphasize the word minor because Todd Bowles wouldn't have had him start today if they didn't think that he was potentially ready to fulfill that position. But it's not a good look when you end up on your running back. And one particular play, you've got Blaine Gabbard in the pocket. They're way too close to their own end zone. And the play takes off, and Colts defense completely bull rushes them. And somehow Luke Gadecki just ends up on top of Rashad White. Everybody gets up all dazed and confused, and that's where you're just like, holy crap, if this was Tom Brady in the pocket, this would be a very, very scary sight. Yeah. And really upset about that. Yeah, it, it, it kind of goes back to, and I don't, it's weird to say this, but it, I, I just can't help but wonder, like, it seems like the level of play does increase when Tom, Tom Brady is in at QB. And yeah. I'm not saying that Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask or any of these other guys aren't talented or, you know, couldn't eventually one day maybe like, lead a offense or something like that but they're they're not Tom Brady they're not the right. goat. they're not Tom Brady and I don't know why but it seems like there is a different level of rising when Brady is in there which because they know it's unacceptable exactly and it's kind of frustrating because it could be it should be unacceptable always yeah, 100% um and and yeah I mean you you have to be you don't like to see that. 
Because you going, would want to see consistency yeah. out of these guys for a full quarter. So the reason I'm going to be hard on the O-line a little bit here is because, as you mentioned, the, the energy shifted the minute that Tom Brady wasn't in there. You're only a, halfway through or two-thirds through the first quarter. Then you have Blaine Gabbert come in. You have the O-line getting crumbled. You got Luke Hideki getting worked. You've got back-to-back plays where there's zero protection for Rashad White, who we know is a very quality running back, like a, a very capable running back. And he's the one who actually started to help the offense get moving down the field eventually. Um, but that zero protection and then... Tyler Johnson, let's circle back to him for a second. As you mentioned, he opens things up with a drop from Tom Brady. And Through he's his somebody hands. who's yeah. had a great camp. He's somebody who heading into camp, I wasn't high on. During camp, he started to change my mind. Then it's like when Tom Brady comes back, can you not catch his ball? Yeah. And then he starts to do better throughout the game without Tom Brady. So that's a problem that they're going to have to figure out in practice because that's your QB one buddy. Like that's yeah. the guy you're supposed to be doing all the great plays for, but then it gets better slash worse after the back-to-back plays of zero protection for Rashad white and Gadecki ends up on top of Rashad white. Then the following play, you've got Tyler Johnson with a false start and Nick Leverett doing back roll somersaults on the field. Somersaults. <laughs> Rolling backwards, knees to chest, and a false start on Tyler Johnson. I that's where I typically would have just liked to move on from this game, but yeah. I won't be as dramatic. So yeah, started off very well. Started to kind of fall apart. And I and I understand that once, you know, the ones, the twos, the twos, the threes, the threes, the fours, everybody starts shuffling in and out that you're going to see a different level of performance. I, I get that, but it's the fact that it was still the first quarter and they couldn't maintain the energy from the top of the first quarter to the end of the second, to the end of the first quarter. Then well, we get into it, the second quarter. It begs the question, Casey. I mean, you bring up such a great point with consistency and playing a full quarter. Like you guys have to go out in less than, or about two weeks Right, and play an entire game that matters. Yes, how are you going to do that if you can't do it in a preseason game? Mm-hmm. That is a glorified practice. What? Oh, how? How is this going to happen? It's it. It really that begs a big question. It begs a big question, and it makes and I hate doubting this with professional athletes, but it's like it makes me call into question a little bit of effort. And it's like, it didn't feel like the effort was always all the way there. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. It just kind of felt kind of like meh. I was just very like impressed with a lot of the things. I think the excitement was seeing people back on the field, but outside of that, it's just, there was no, there wasn't as much sense of urgency. And for this to be a chopping block game, like last opportunity for some of these guys, it still felt very short in terms of, Anybody who had a last chance to really prove something tonight, I didn't see it. I didn't really see the effort. I didn't see the, you know, I really need to be on this roster. I really need to make this team. It just didn't, it didn't, it didn't stand out. There wasn't much standout. So I definitely agree with you. Raises a lot of flags. Um, Also because, you know, a lot of press conferences, post-game press conferences last season, it was, we need to play you know, a full game of football. We need to play all four quarters. We can't just show up in the beginning, fall apart at the end, or try to, you know, come chasing it down at the end and not show up at the beginning. So um, to see that in preseason game three, I won't call it alarming. It's, it's unfortunate, 
do I think it's a tell on the entire season? No, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of an exciting game with, with all these returns. So yeah, second quarter, Rashad White came out and got the offense going along. Keyshawn Vaughn had a heck of a game. He's the only person who found the end zone for the Buccaneers. Um, and he has showed, showed a lot of growth from two seasons ago to last season to this season. He's also a guy that I wasn't so sure about, and he's really making his case right now. And I just have to give a shout out to Keith. This kid's a freaking animal when it comes to blocking. When the run game really started to open up, it was rookie Keith that was making it happen. This guy knows how to come off the line hard. He knows how to stand people up. He knows just he's gritty. I don't know what more to say about him other than he's gritty. And I think that he's just getting started and he's going to be more versatile than just a blocking tight end. He's going to offer this team a lot and he's going to grow with this team very well. So, um, that's it's a lot you know, for the offense. Yeah. And, and, there, and there's a little bit more to get to, but that we'll save that for the chopping block. But gosh, Casey, we kind of went hard in on the offense, but I don't know if I have all that much good news for the defense. Speaking of chopping block, that it wasn't yeah. the best defensive game either. Again, the score 27 to 10 Kaylee yeah. hype on the defense or at least giving the defense a little bit of an out last week saying, Hey, they only, they only allowed six. Well, I can't say that this week. No, they allowed 27 points and it's, it, yeah. It, it, you want to know the alarming part there? Impressive. <laughs> Please. The Light. <laughs> the alarming part there for me, Kaylee, is the fact that this is supposed to be one of the best run stop defenses. And Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan looked like a running, a mobile QB on them in the first couple of plays, just like wide open space. He's in an open field. Just all he needed was some wind in his hair and it would have been a, a Hallmark movie. I mean, that was hard to watch for a couple seconds there. So you got Matt Ryan making runs. You got every quarterback. They had four quarterbacks come in this game. Their Running. third string quarterback had oh. a 45 yard touchdown run to the end zone. At least five people missing tackles on him. And it's, Last week, we talked about you got to wrap up your guy. You have to. It's not I, just good enough to put pressure on. At not some point, tag. at some point, you got to catch him. You got to yeah. wrap him up. Yes. It didn't happen, Casey. There was not growth in that area tonight. No. And I dare say we took a step back. That was frustrating to watch defensively. Yes. And on top of it, we're talking about the ones opening up here. So to still see missed tackles with your starters out here, I mean, once the once the third string quarterback came in for his 45-yard rushing touchdown, I know it's not the starters, guys. It was like the twos and the threes, but are you kidding me? I, I just, as a little girl, I just remember watching tackling plays in Little League and these guys having to practice wrapping up. How are you in the NFL? And that was a big missed mark last season, not wrapping up on tackles, not getting your hands on, not getting enough interceptions. We're in preseason. This should have been kind of like more of a, of, of a snack. This should have been kind of a, a little, a little easier and no coming out of preseason with what, like two interceptions, maybe four still very underwhelming and a lot of missed tackles. They don't look like they're prepared to play any sort of running quarterback. Like the Eagles are going to present or the freaking Ravens for crying out loud. We know Lamar Jackson is out here just wait, waiting to run through people and never utilize his weapons because he wants to be, you know, the wide receiver, the quarterback, the running back, and everything that, that there is out there. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was I I I was shocked 
there was some moments that were very exciting. There were some players that stood out, but the players that stood out aren't players that you were expecting to like have this big old game or that are anywhere near the chopping block. The players that stood out are the guys who know their assignments, know this playbook and know how to have some freaking fun with football and wrap up on their tackles. And the one guy I'm talking about is Levante David who had the first sack of the game. Yeah, there were three. I was I was I was going to ask you, I was going to say there's three sacks in this game. Can you guess who they were from? Because there was a there's yeah, Levante David. Fantastic. But like you don't expect the other two guys. (laughs) It's like especially especially one of the last two. It drops off significantly. Yeah, Yeah. so significantly. Cooper. Cooper had a sack. Who's Cooper? Somebody tell me who Cooper is, where he's from. Somebody tell me something about Cooper <laughs> other than Googling the fact that he had a sack versus the Colts. And then you got Andre Anthony who got his second second sack of the preseason. And that was what the fourth quarter that he finally got that sack, which nothing against Andre Anthony. I mean, he's kind of lower on the, on the lower end here fighting for a position, but still your one top sack of the night is from Levante David who played how many freaking reps and then ended up going on the sideline and hanging out. Yeah, Fatu Kasi didn't take a step back per se, but he didn't use last week as a launching pad. He had some really quality plays. He showed that he could be a contender on this roster. That's for sure. But I was expecting a building block off of last week. Like, how do you have nine tackles, one and a half sacks and come in and play a little more quietly? I think it was just a a bit of an underwhelming performance for a lot of people that should have been making a lot more noise. Um, I think it should be noted, too, that Nolan Turner the rookie out of Clemson, um, he started this evening in the secondary. And there's some mixed – well, I don't even know if I can call it mixed reviews. Overall, some people found him to still be very underwhelming. I think he had some moments. I mean, on one special teams play, he was the only guy that made a freaking tackle. Um, And then on another defensive play, they hand the ball off to Lindsey, who just was running all over the team. And everybody just whiffed whiffed, 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 whiffed. I mean, you were about seven guys deep on the Bucks defense before Nolan Turner made the tackle. <laughs> so I don't even know if this is like a praise point for Nolan Turner. Not that he did a bad job. He's a rookie starting in. He's getting up to speed, you know, very quickly. People are very high up on him. He's had a great training camp. But I mean, Nolan Turner is your last line of defense after so many missed tackles is not really like a praise report. It's nothing anybody's screaming their heads off about. Um, you don't write, mom home about that no you don't it just does it doesn't stand out so much maybe maybe a little bit of an encryption for him but we'll see how that goes uh d delaney did pretty okay um i would say if anybody kind of built off their previous performance it was him he was making tackles one of the very few um i'm trying to remember i think they had him playing in at slot which is interesting but i think it's because logan ryan is out um, with an undisclosed injury or just soreness. I don't think he's injured. I think he'll be ready for week one. So I'm not, no, I'm not sure if that's anything that's really going to hold up, but he's done okay with playing in the slot. And then last week we saw him coming, coming off the edge and, and blitz plays and whatnot. But it was also Don Garner. I think Don Garner, if any, if anyone else I could add to the list on a positive note, did pretty well as well. Also, he had a couple tackles out there. He contributed on um, special teams. And this is a guy who can actually tackle. He's a really smart player, honor roll and uh, academic excellence all throughout college and stuff. He was a big tackler in college, not really the biggest interception guy. I think he closed out his collegiate career with four interceptions. So 
We're not really looking to him to get his hand on the ball, but he was the only guy that came down with an interception last week, made some tackles today, and maybe as somebody who can contend for a position on this roster. So overall, it was just kind of an interesting performance from the defense. Logan Hall, I will say, is somebody who had a good motor on him. Great drive. There was a couple plays where he did get inside there. It was just like a second or two too late. I don't know. Now, I'm not – my brother played D-line and then got moved to outside. So I know sometimes he used to make a statement like you can't do too many fancy moves in the interior. That's more of an outside thing. So I will say there was one specific play where Logan Hall almost had a sack. But he started it off with a swim move, then turned into a spin move. And then it's like, but at that point, you're standing so tall and you're already a big guy. You don't have momentum. You don't have your strength in your legs. So he just like, at you know, at a different pace game, it would have never, he would have never made it inside with all of that going on. Maybe that's something that he switches up and picks his poison, you know, swim move, stays low, uses his strength to overpower the guy and get inside. But it was nice to see him get inside a couple of times. That's something they could work on in practice. Everyone's still pretty high up on Logan Hall and what he'll bring to the Bucks D-line this season. And Vita Vea did Vita Vea things. He had a couple of big standups, um, creating the wall of Vea out there for a couple of guys. I was expecting to see a lot more out of Akeem Hicks. That's where I was a little saddened. Akeem Hicks, the killer whale. I didn't see much um, slaughtering from him this evening. <laughs> but, you know, game three, preseason finale. I think well, we really got just like the fair end of a long training camp. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm it. hoping. I'm hoping that it's it's one of those things where it's uh, a work. It continues to be a work in progress and that it's not a, I don't know, preemptive look perspective at, yeah at, look at into what the things future. could be uh <laughs> and and I think I mean I think this team would say uh outright that at least from the defensive perspective that they were better than what they played tonight and when you look at the pieces that you mentioned Casey and they are they're better than what they played tonight but at the end of the day there is a reality of like it's game time. You've got to go and you have to play and you have to put on the cleats and you got to put on your helmet and you have to perform. That performance was missing a little bit tonight. And so I, I yeah. think that it's, you know, the positive is that there is room for growth. <laughs> so you got to grow. And Absolutely. I think that that that's something that I would really like to see um, be significantly better in that first real game against the Cowboys, especially because it's on the road, it's going to be yeah. in Dallas. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be contentious. Um, and you really want to see them step up, but there were some players tonight, Casey, who, that did step mm-hmm. up both yeah. offensively and defensively. So moving into our players of the game, I mentioned a few different people offensively that I really liked And I'm not going to go with a guy that I think is getting too much hype, but that I think did a fantastic job and really is, again, continuing to put himself in the picture, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. I think that he is continuing to show up, show out, and make you remember his name. He's fighting for yardage. 
-hmm. He like clearly is a competitor. He wants to go out there and there's a lot. I mean, I think there were, we saw a lot of bright spots in the offense tonight. Like again, in that first series, there were a lot of things that I did really like, but I think looking at an overall picture, you expect that from those, those guys, because they're number ones, they're starters. You expect them to go out and perform. Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that you hope goes out and performs and you are pleasantly surprised when he does. And I have been pleasantly surprised all through training camp and almost every preseason game he's been in. I've been pleasantly surprised with him because he is really, really fought and pushed and he's a great competitor. And I think, I hope he will get a spot on this team. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And the Bucks are a fan of him. I mean, even in the moments where he really wasn't showing any consistency and was really struggling, they continue to provide opportunities for him to, you know, break out and, and prove something. And he started to pick up some momentum towards the end of last season. He's had a pretty quality camp. And I would say between last game and this game, I completely agree that he's he's made a case to be on this roster and that he can he can contribute. Um I definitely agree with your pick. I think for mine, I had to do this thing with the guys where we had to like who somebody would go to bat for. And um, out of the three players, I chose Scotty Miller, which Scotty, poor Scotty, um, Co'Keefe, and then Don Gardner. Uh, so with that being said, I have to go with Co'Keefe. There was a lot of running plays at basically almost any run play that had success. Co'Keefe was making a big block on it. He's just – He's a really strong guy out there. He helps contributing blocking wise. And just from what I've seen of him in training camp, guys, I don't think that he's just a blocking tight end. Is that maybe where he's more, you know, of a profound player? Sure. But he has done some pretty decent routes with all three quarterbacks. He's, you know, hand in the dirt kind of guy. He's gritty. He's you can place him at fullback over Cameron Brait. There's just versatility to him as well. Once he gets more acclimated with this playbook and more experience, you know, at an NFL pace. So just what he did in tonight's game, the blocks that he came up with helping, you know, the Keyshawn Vaughn get in the end zone. It's just all these, these pieces that point back to a kid that like, if you didn't know his name, it's worth knowing. And tonight I'm pretty sure he put his name out there even further for fans who didn't know who he was. So co keeps my offensive player of the game. So Casey, um, <laughs> I don't know if you're seeing this. So we're, 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 we're recording this post game. Tom Brady just stepped up to the microphone, Casey, and was asked because of course he was about why he missed 11 days of training camp. Oh, do and we have breaking news? We, we <laughs> kind of, he said, end quote, I'm 45 years old. I have a lot of stuff, but the adult word for stuff, I'm not going to make us have a uh, expletive on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of stuff going on. Oh my gosh. Tom Brady coming out here with the zingers. I'm wow. 45 years old. I have a lot of stuff going on. He didn't say it with that attitude, but that was point blank. What he just said, like but that, that is exactly period, what he said. Sentence. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm 45 years old. I have a lot of stuff going on. Wow. You got to figure out it. life the best that you can. I mean, it's, Tom Brady, good for you, good for you, TB, standing up for yourself. Again, a, a reason why you love Tampa Tom. That Tampa is, Tom is the best version of You Tom know what Brady. I appreciate, though? And this goes back to you making New England Tom walk the plank. 
Brady would have never said that in a Patriots uniform under Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. But for him to just be like, there's a lot of stuff going on. We know that he's got moving pieces in his life and no, he's got kids. He's got a wife. He's figuring out his brand stuff. Yeah. He's got, again, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's got an empire and we don't know how, how deep and reliable the staff is. And at the end of the day, it falls on, you know, on, on shoulders. That's going to eventually that, that are human shoulders, you know? So for him to say, there's the, there's a lot going on. Bravo to you, Brady, for just being that much more transparent and honest about something rather than just staring down the media and maybe walking away from the presser. Cause we've seen him walk away from pressers after 27 seconds. And that was it. That's all you got. Um, and he can afford to be fined ladies and gentlemen. So, wow. That was, that's yeah, remarkable. I just, I had to, I had to throw that in there. That's uh that's happening. I'm so glad you did as we are uh, talking. So Tom Brady, I don't know, maybe he gets the offensive player of the game because that's uh that's bold yeah. right there. I oh, it should be that. more far to mention that he says everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. We all have really unique challenges to our life. I'm 45. I'm, I'm 45 years old, man. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. Just got to try to figure out life the best you can. It's a continuous process. Well, best of it. luck in that process and that journey for you, Brady. And I'm glad you were able to say that from a podium on a microphone in a post game in a preseason post game. Of all it things. humanizes him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people forget is that like, he's a human. He yeah. also puts pants on one feet yeah. at a time. You know, he brushes his teeth in the morning. Like we he's a, <laughs> I'm Yeah. I would yeah. imagine he does. He's pretty meticulous. I'm kidding. Definitely, um, definitely does. He he is a human, you know. And while he is fantastic at his craft, he's incredible. He's an incredible human, you know. Especially when it comes to on the field and football, he is a human, and he's allowed to be human. And I think that we all, as people, need to get better at accepting that. When he shows is human. Yeah. That we need to just let him be human when he shows that he's human. So there weren't many superhumans tonight in the defense, uh, Casey, but getting back to our defensive player, there's, I don't feel like there's much to pick from. So I'm going to go with Levante David who, who got that first sack. Uh, and yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to say <laughs> he got the sack, I, you know, and, it, uh, yeah. It, and, you know, good for him. I, I hope that he gets a few more throughout the regular season. There you go. We're going to have to tie on that one. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying. I'm looking through my notes and I'm like, you know, Sanat had three tackles, one assist, but you know, a lot of mistakes, especially penalties. Um, Cooper with the one other sack. I'm still waiting to figure. I got to Google Cooper. I just don't recall much about Cooper. And then you got Fatu Kasi who falls at like number four of, of, of performance stats for tonight. And that's with two tackles and three assists and just kind of a, kind of a snoozeville situation. So, yep, that's going to be Levante David coming off of an injury last season, said that he was playing at 60% towards the end of the season, had an awesome off season, great training cramp, Drake, cramp <laughs> training camp excuse me guys and um you know as soon as he suits up as a as a first stringer back in back in his role he shows that he is ready to go he's healthy and that we're going to see some great things out of him and more importantly we know that him and Devin White feed off of one another 
Uh, I didn't pay much attention to anything outside of Lalante David. So that just says how much energy he was drawing in and just how much of a force he was out there. And I think it speaks volumes. So he's definitely earns the uh, defensive player of the game for opening up that sack momentum ish, if you will. Doubloons to the both of you, but Casey, now we're getting into the chopping block and <laughs> I have a lot to say about I'm this. Yeah, I'm not too yeah. happy about that. Well, people are probably like, you're sitting here chopping everybody off, Casey. How are you not too happy about this? Because I have to swallow a, a, a tough big pill here with one of the guys that I have to put on the chopping block. So it's never a good conversation. I think we I think it's the same guy that we are both going to put on the chopping block. Should we should we like test it? Should we? One, yeah, two, three, count of three. See, see if we say the same thing. OK, yeah. All right. One, one, two, two, three, three. Scotty, Scotty Miller. Miller. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Disappointing. Yep. Dis he had a few disappointing plays. And that's the word I literally wrote down when I was like in my taking my notes was just like, it's disappointing. You want, you want it to be more, you want you it to be better. So bad. You, you want him to so be bad. the Scotty from two years ago. But he's not showing us that Scotty. Yeah. And, it's and last season was the whole like, okay, five receptions. I think it was like 30, 33 yards. A lot of that was the major turf toe that he that he had injured. But then, you know, training camp, he didn't start off on the best note. You could see the pressure really getting to him in the beginning of training camp. Then all of a sudden he starts to come to life a little bit. Then you feel like the pressure started to let off. He really started to show up. And actually the turning point is when the pads came on. As soon as the pads came on, Scotty Miller looked like, okay, he's ready to compete. He's ready to, to show this team that he's not a one-trick pony. He could be more versatile. He could be relied on and then has a pretty decent training camp from there on out. Then preseason games hit, and he's – where is he? What's going on with Scotty? And then he has these big missed catch opportunities. And then tonight, you just – you. You can see the pressure all over him all over again. And, and it's tough because he's somebody I have highly rooted for in many, in many ways because I feel like Tom Brady likes having those smaller 5'9", shifty, fast receivers and not even comparing it to an Antonio Brown situation. Look at, you know, the Danny Amendola, the Julian Edelman, and people got pissed when I said this, but Wells Walker, Wells Walker who he had with the Patriots. He helped Welker's career take off, and he loved utilizing Welker in the slot. Not saying that Scotty is Welsh Welker, but I'm saying that there's parts of Welker's game that Scotty could have really gravitated towards and made his own and been a factor for Tom Brady. So it's you said it perfectly. It's very disappointing that he was not really able to rise to the occasion. He just really mellowed out, and he didn't make a case to stay on this roster. No, he didn't. And another guy that I think – kind of sealed his fate a little bit more tonight is Jose Borregales. I, I think yes. that he missing the field goal again. Um, this is the second over 50 yard field goal. I think both of them were about 52 yards actually mm -hmm. uh, that he missed. You just can't do that. And I, you know, you wanted to see him do a, something a little bit more. And I know that Ryan suck up, suck up only had a, three yard field goal, but like he still made it. And yeah. I, I just think that when you're thinking about the chopping block or you're thinking about someone that you, you need to have that's reliable, Ryan suck up to your guy and Jose yeah. Borregales is, is not the guy. Yeah. And this team seems to be pretty big on veteran presence and veteran knowledge and uh, veteran abilities and, and crucial game points and situational football. So unfortunately I think, 
you're right. Borgales kind of sealed his fate there, not only for missing tonight's goal, but that whole allowing <laughs> the goal that he missed last time where he mentally allowed the other team to get in his head on something that, you know, is a typical call that people know is just to what, when he got iced, that's what it was. So suck up veteran a little bit more mentally there locked in kind of able to swerve some of those things. And I said it on one of our previous episodes on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns. When suck up first came to the box, I thought he did awesome, especially compared to the previous kickers that were on this team. It was awful to watch. It was so bad. Um, so Ryan Suckup kind of brought that position back to life. Last season, he kind of fell off, found some inconsistency in some really needed moments. And then all of a sudden, here comes this competition. Him and Borgalis both having a really good camp, but Borgalis' camp didn't really translate from the practice field to the game field. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that Borgalis has just kind of put himself on the back burner there. Somebody else, well... We already know that wide receiver room is is going to take the biggest hit. They're going to have to get that sorted out. Uh, one of the biggest thing that things that I was noting is that Brashad Perriman didn't have a camp. By the time that he got injured and the time that he was able to, to return, he wasn't able to show anything in a loaded room. Uh, Tyler Johnson primarily would be that next guy, regardless of that missed catch from Tom Brady earlier in the game, because he's been consistent other than that. And Brady seems to kind of want to give this guy a chance. So I could picture Tyler Johnson being more of a lock-in over anyone else. Uh, I didn't see much out of Devin Tompkins tonight. That's one of those rookies that we thought was going to have a larger game, um, barely much time on special teams. And even then it was still very overwhelming. So he's someone else who, yeah, he had three returns. Make a case. Yeah, he had three returns for 13 yards, and you just—I know some of them. I some of them were not the greatest positioning, and he, he, there was, you know, there was one specifically that was like, "That's not." There's not much you can do about that, mm-hmm. but you still, you still got to. I don't know. You you still have to make the most of your opportunity. I think special teams was his opportunity to make a name on this team, yeah, and then for them to put you on special teams on this game and for you not to make much of an impact that's hard that's hard yeah. so I, I I think as much as I was hot on him I I don't know if they can keep him because yeah it, it is just an overcrowded room mm-hmm. and then when it comes to special teams as you said that was kind of where he needed to make his mark to get his shoe in it was Kalen Geiger that kind of came up a little bit better yeah you yeah. know he ran harder he he the effort that we talked about earlier, the effort that you mentioned, he just kind of seemed to have more of that effort and and that want to to make something happen, at least, you know, in kickoff returns and whatnot. So it was Geiger that stood out to me more than anyone else in that rotation. Um, and the rotations between Geiger and Tompkins, Darden, as well as Rashad White. So out of all four guys, for Geiger to stand out the most, and that was towards the end of the game, and we all know what the end of that game started to look like, kind of rough. Uh, Jared Stearns. He had the most yards of all of those guys because he had 68 yeah, yards on three, three returns. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. averaging over 22 yards uh, a, a carry for the returns. I mean, I think he's – I agree with you. Just wanted yeah. to, like, give those numbers to, to solidify that point. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad you did, actually. And then Jareth Stearns was somebody two weeks ago I was high on. I thought that he was going to come out a bit splashier, and um, he was the one that, you know, was a bit of a momentum starter in the, in the Dolphins game and made – him and Trask seem to have this connection going on. And ever since that Dolphins game, it's just been all downhill from there. So in a sense, in a, in a not too happy sense, but in a sense, I think 
that some of these guys just made the coach's job a little bit easier to reduce this roster. Um, the bright spot would be, you know, the guys that are in that practice squad rotation um, with Cyril Grayson Jr. end up going out injury waived. He's probably going to end up, you know, getting going through a physical and ending up on another team. So there's room here on the practice squad and potential pull-up options down the line. But for the most part, I think that it's unfortunate that some of these guys just made this decision a little too easy tonight. And I don't know if it's just exhaustion from a long training camp, but there was just not much of an energy burst. There wasn't much of a sell in tonight's game for anybody who's on the cusp of being cut from this roster. And well, that's what you get with the preseason finale. That's what you get. And so that's leading us into some of that disappointment into who's going to have to walk the plank this week. Casey, we got to keep it short and sweet. So for me, I'm going to go with special teams. And I think I've done this before. I think maybe two games ago, I mentioned special teams again, just not impressed. Like they just never had good field position and, and uh, you know, awful performance from special teams. And honestly, alternatively, they were constantly giving up good field position to the Colts. And so Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things on both sides on special teams, like, kicking, punting, receiving, like all of it, it was just poopy. It was just not good. And that's something that you can't do. Field position is so important. You can't give them an extra 30 yards and then expect your defense to just grin and bear it, you know, time after time. So I really, I really need to see the special teams step up. Uh, It's been consistently pretty bad throughout the preseason and so that's a little bit concerning because the regular season is just around the corner and I haven't seen very many glimmers of anything good in special teams so I, I I think that that is something that is and it can it can determine the outcome of a game which is why it's so important again field position is so important Mm-hmm. I, I it, yeah, it, it matters, and I know it's just special teams, but it matters. It does. You have to take care of the little details in all all sports, every but especially unit. the game of football. You have to take care of the little details. You have to go out there and protect. And I didn't see it, and I haven't really seen it throughout this preseason. No, I completely agree, and honestly, you nailed it on the head. I mean, special teams has been inconsistent since last season, and. Not that, not, not, not that it's one of those things where it's like, you got one job, but you know, you do you have one job that you have to really just crisp. Yeah. You, you have to be crisp at it and it's just a mess. And, and then some of the calls out there, it's just, they have to get that locked in and figured out before this season takes off. And I couldn't agree with you more. Special teams has to walk the plank. Um, I guess, I, you know, I'm going to have to be one of the, bi- the bad pirates tonight because defense they should have. They could have done better. They could have been a little splashier. Just that opening up of letting Matt Ryan just take off, and the last Jolly Rogers and touchdowns episode that we recorded, the most recent one, guys. I said Michael Pittman Jr. could pose an issue, and Michael Pittman Jr. is the one who really started to get the Colts' offense down the field in scoring position, and then the rest is history from there for them to cap off the Bucks 27 to 10. Michael Pittman Jr. was a huge part of that. Matt Ryan was a big part of that. And all four quarterbacks that went in for the Colts, four. I know it's preseason finale. That's not falling short on me, but four. 
four different quarterbacks that were able to run on this defense. And I'm not just talking about the starters. I'm just talking about throughout the entire defense from head to toe. Nobody past the ones made a case for themselves on this team tonight. So unfortunately, Bucks defense, you got to walk the plank. You got to take a swim. You got to get some conditioning in, come up to the shore, revitalized and with a new head on because Dallas, Dallas presented an issue to the Bucks at Raymond James Stadium for the home opener last season in Dallas this year. Even though yeah. they've got some injuries on their roster, we're not going to we're not going to assume that they're not going to present another hefty challenge. Now we're talking about Dak Prescott being that much more healthier, having that much more time under his belt, and he surprised everybody with his bounce back last year, and that's a running mobile quarterback. I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> so. It's okay. We'll, we'll calm you down, Casey. But yes, Ooh. they do have to walk the plank and they need to step up. Fans, we want to hear from you on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Let us know on Twitter what you think. You can follow me at Kaylee Mizell. Casey, throw your handles out there. At the Sports Case. That's K-A-S-E. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. As usual, we'd love to hear from you all. And we cannot wait for the next Jolly Rogers and touchdowns episode, because we will have a special guest, which we will leak on social media. Everybody. So be sure to follow us. <laughs>